Hey everybody, it's William. I wanted to jump in at the beginning of this episode and give you a couple of updates. Number one, I wanted to thank you all so much for the support for the podcast so far. But number two, give you a bit of a glimpse behind the scene as to where we've been for the past couple of months. Trying to keep this incredibly brief, it's a really long, drawn-out story, but I had colon cancer when I was 27 in 2015. Everything had been fine up until this point. I went for a routine follow-up visit in September, and they told me that it had spread to one of my lungs. I had a couple of tests and ultimately surgery to remove part of my lung. All of that came back negative. There was no sign of cancer anywhere. However, I did have surgery on my lungs, so speaking, especially recording for hours on end, proved incredibly difficult. That being said, we are back. I've gone through all of the necessary rehab. I've got a clean bill of health. But you will notice that these next couple of episodes are just a bit dated. This one we do our reaction to the trailer for The Crimes of Grindelwald. And then the following episode is our full breakdown of the movie itself. I do hope you enjoy. Maybe this will reignite some conversations about the movie. But with that, we will start the show. HarryParty.com. This is the Harry Party Podcast. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Harry Party Podcast. I'm your host, William, and once again, tossing a handful of flute powder into his own digital fireplace. To join me from across the World Wide Web is my very first Potter pal, my brother, Cody. Greetings, muggles! Or should I say no matches? Yay, hey, hey, spoilers. Don't get to the Thestra before the cart here. Hey. No way. <laughs> well, I, I just butchered it. Don't get the cart before the Thestral here. But could you get the Thestral if you can't see it? You you have you don't know what I've seen. I've I can see clearly now the rain is gone, but... Oh, oh geez, reeling it back in here. Well, we do have... <laughs> we, do, we do have a, a an thestral? exciting show. We have a Thestral? That, that's amazing. Jeez, oh, jeez, reel it in. Reel it in, come on. <laughs> we, do, we do have... Seriously, though, we do have an exciting show for you today. The Crimes of Grindelwald final trailer dropped oh this gosh. week. And I'm, I'm not going to pretend like we're going to do a live reaction to this because how, how many times between the two of us would you say that we've watched it? Um, I would say um, somewhere between. There are a lot of zeros. I know that much. <laughs> that's that that's guessing conservative. But in, in this week's profit, I know previously we have both um, brought a, a, a news item or a topic to discuss in the profit. But that's that's out the window. We're going to um, discuss. There is but one news and there there is but one news and even <laughs> then there's a lot of nuance to that news but we'll get there um so uh that's going to be the profit for today um if you have been reading along with us when we get to the page we'll be discussing chapter two the vanishing glass and then in the party i found a um really charming blog um this week it's called whip and wander um, it's a travel, food, life um, blog by this fantastic blogger named Jenny. Um, and, and Hey! Yeah, hey! Um, rather fond of that name. But um, no, she has a recipe 
that was actually inspired by this week's chapter. So um, that's coming up later on the show. But I'm just I just want to dive straight into this and talk about the Crimes of Grindelwald trailer. I mean, it, it was a trailer. It was a thing that happened and a thing that just like <laughs> let me melted. Let me spout out some more just just facts. Yes, for, for you. <laughs> um, I think I, I think we should watch it. I I think that is an excellent idea. And then we'll we'll pause periodic th- periodically through the trailer and just talk about what we just saw. Address. What's that? A safe house in Paris. Why would I need a safe house in Paris? Should things at some point go terribly wrong, it's good to have a place to go. You know, for a cup of tea. My brothers, my sisters. The clock is ticking fast. My dream, we who live for truth, for love. The moment has come to take our rightful place in the world where we wizards were free. Join me. Or die. Oh, man. Okay. So, um, okay. We need to talk about what just happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a trailer opened up with Dumbledore on the bus giving Newt um, an address to a safe house. Now, I've heard speculation that this safe house is Nicholas Flamel's flat in Paris. That, I, I, I forget. Um, was Is Flamel French? Is that a French name? Yes. Okay. Um, ni- uh, um, Nicolai. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. Uh, Nicolas Flamel. Um, so, uh, gives Newt, does a little nod to Muggle Magic by producing the card, um, which... I'm I, not going to lie, I thoroughly enjoyed that because I can remember driving. <laughs> like I said in the previous episode, I legitimately wanted to be a magician from the age of 10 to 13. Mm-hmm. And so that that move of producing that card, I can do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm basically dumbled. Uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> oh, only Lord. commonality between me and Dumbledore oh, is I can, Lord. And I, I can I am produce a definitely Aberforth. In this relationship, I oh no, I have def- It's got it's getting deep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to pull the glasses down to the end of my nose and begin the therapy session. <laughs> and then obviously the cat is Weasley. The, our cat Weasley is Kendra. Uh, yes, yes. Obviously, obviously. Obviously. Well, <laughs> so interestingly enough, what do you think would be in the tea that Nicholas Flamel would? serve you um let's see i don't know a couple drops of elixir of life a couple drops of elixir of life i would feel like when you're 943 some alka-seltzer would probably be in your team (laughs) probably some (laughs) alka-seltzer some ibuprofen i mean like okay okay let's 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 talk about nicholas famel for a second um I think the sad thing is about the elixir of life is that the elixir of life you still age. At the, you, you <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, what was it? Kowalski said, "Oh, you you don't look a day over three hundred seventy." Like <laughs> you still age. Your body. I mean, may, maybe it slows the deterioration process. 
but you're you're still aging. It definitely does not halt it. No, <laughs> as 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 we could see in the previous trailer. I think what. Be- but the na- the narration over top of um this uh, apparently is the same speech that um Johnny Depp gave as Grindelwald at Comic Con. Uh, and it's the speech it's the speech that he gives his supporters when they're in that uh, amphitheater which we see mm-hmm. a little bit later but i just I, I okay i can't i can't rest on this any longer as when he talks about them taking their rightful place you see credence staring down into the center of the circus and he says okay honestly something that i i kind of knew was coming because the rabbit hole goes deep and so does the internet and I tend to follow it and there's been a fan theory that Claudia Kim's character is none other than Voldemort's honestly most prized uh, one of his seven possessions yes one of uh, one of his um, probably the the creature that was the closest that anyone ever got to him it's none other than Nagini is it a fan theory? I thought it was confirmed. Well, I mean, this trailer confirms it. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. But prior to this trailer, it was a fan theory. And, I mean, and rightfully so. They picked up on things from the other trailers. The fact that um, she is a maledictus, that Claudia Kim's character is a lot is um, seen a lot in a snakeskin dress. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they knew that she turned into a snake, and I think people were just desperately hoping that it was Nagini. Mm-hmm. And it totally makes sense, because when this trailer, or when this movie comes out, it's 1927. A year has elapsed since the um, events of the first one in 1926. Voldemort is alive. Or Tom Riddle is alive. He's a year old. Yeah, yeah, probably. And and based on the portrayal of Nagini by Claudia Kim, I, I, they're probably, I know, Hollywood, like hires older actors a lot of times to play younger characters but i would put her in like mid-20s yeah, maybe our age around that and so there there is not too much of a generation gap for a if, if i don't know about a romantic relationship possibly but very much a like maybe even maternal relationship to develop between claudia <sighs> kim's character Nick, uh, and uh tom riddle yeah i don't know I, i'm 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 hoping we see that play out. There has been blowback. Yes. And I, I understand this. Of Well, there's been a lot of blowback about the Nagini reveal. Well, um, okay. And putting uh, putting the, let's say, putting the politics aside, or putting, putting the, um, it, well, okay. So there's been a lot of blowback about the Nagini character reveal. Love it or hate it. Um, it's a decision that was made. I, I don't want to go into some of the more, uh, nuanced and complicated aspects. Like I, I don't feel personally qualified to, um, talk about those things. What I would like to talk about is the blowback of JK Rowling, quote unquote, retconning her own canon. Um, there's a lot of people that are just wanting her to leave Nagini as a simple snake that Dumbledore, or not Dumbledore, that Voldemort kept as a pet, and and just leave it at that. Like they're saying, uh, go ahead. I, I I can see what they're coming from. I mean, it, it's it's the Star Wars prequel problem. Uh, mm-hmm. When you go back and you you explain things that don't necessarily need to be explained. 
you don't, you know, you, you dive into a story that, for all intents and purposes, you know, fan imagination gets built up so high, so hard, and it gets built up so high and so hard that, you know, when the creator actually goes back and does something with it, then, you know, if it doesn't live up to that initial shock and that initial magic, that, uh, pun very much intended, you get, you're going to get some blowback. You're going, yeah. you're going to get some blowback. And the reality is, is that, you know, the people that watched and read Harry Potter and formulated these fan theories that are now watching Fantastic Beasts are different people now. You know, time has passed. We've grown up. We've matured. And I, I think J.K. Rowling is full within her rights to adapt to the story however she chooses, write the story whatever she chooses. Harry Potter is her baby. It's her thing. Until the day she decides to sell the copyrights to whomever, it's hers to do what she wants to do with. Um, and a lot of them are, they talk about canon and how um, is that canon? Is that actual? Like, she created the canon. Yeah. And I could get thinking about getting upset if it, like, contradicts the rules of the known universe. Like, she set up these very meticulous rules, uh, very meticulous rules about how this world is supposed to logically work. Um, mm -hmm. further explanation doesn't necessarily mean doesn't necessarily mean retconning like I would be upset if we find out that the Avada Kedavra curse is survivable by like one out of every ten wizards that would be a oh, retcon yeah, yeah, yeah. that would make no sense to me and that would be like J.K. Rowling is on a bender and is just deciding to mess with people. <laughs> um, yeah, that that would be something. Makes, uh, well, makes... I mean, I think Moody even said in the fourth book, the only wizard ever known to survive it is sitting in this room. If she contradicts her own mythology, then I can see people getting upset with it, or you know, gets to the point of just flat out trolling people. Um, yeah, but. It's something like this with Nagini being more than just a snake. I mean, it 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 does kind of it it could suffer the problem of you know we're we're like oh remember this thing from those other movies and those other books that you like. Uh, this ties into this. This ties into this. Oh, we're explaining something that doesn't necessarily need to be explained. It may not, we haven't seen the movie yet. We may not even, we could go in there and walk out of it and be like, oh my gosh, you know, making Nagini, this maledictus, was the greatest thing ever, was the greatest thing ever. Or we could go out of there going, okay, that was the jumping the shark moment. We don't know. We are basing this yeah. off of a trailer. Well, no, I have, to, I have to be perfectly honest. Whenever Nagini was first introduced, I mean, all of these questions started swirling through my head. Like, where did Voldemort get this snake? Like, what is the history of this snake? I was starting to think, is this the boa constrictor that Harry set loose um, on Dudley? And if so, like, wouldn't it remember Harry setting it loose and not just be bent on destruction? Where, where did the name Nagini come from? What does that mean? Like, that stuff did, like, swirl through my head. Yeah. And for, for me, the reveal 
just i mean it's just peeling back more layers of the onion like i i thought this the rabbit hole goes incredibly deep and rawling even said on twitter or somebody asked her um how long have you been sitting on the nagini reveal and she said over 20 years oh and so it makes me think and i and i believe it's genuine that she um had this there is tons i know that there is a lot about the wizarding world that does not make it to the page or the screen but does inform what does i would agree with that i would agree if that makes sense like i i firmly believe that she has written and she's released a lot of them on pottermore written backstories um, written motives um, for these characters that drive their decisions and drive their actions on the page and on the screen but we don't know them but it makes them more relatable characters like there is some internal force driving what they do and so i'm i'm fully bought in that this was planned from the beginning and I I have this feeling that um, we're going to see Nagini as not some like servant, pet, or slave, but maybe even a mentor. Because and... I, I did read that she's definitely going to be a villainous character. Yes. That she's definitely going to not have the best motives and the best interests at heart. Um I kind of, I guess, I kind of got the feeling initially that she was going to be a sympathetic character. That oh, she's cursed with this blood curse, um, and we should feel bad for her. And then oh no, she gets a seventh of Voldemort's soul stuck in her. I mean, you know, that would cause anyone to have a bad day. Um, or honestly, Voldemort's a parcel mouth, so he is able to continue conversing with her. I mean. Even after she has turned into a snake, it could have been the fact that he trusted her. Yeah, and she. Well, let offered. us let us back up a little bit. For those of you who do not know, uh, a maledictus is a is a wizard, witch or wizard that, unlike an animagi, which is what McGonagall is, they are cursed. They can they can turn into an animal at will. But eventually, you know, they'll turn into an animal, and then they're like, "Oh, oh, oh, crap! We're we're the, an animal now for forever." Yeah, eventually, eventually the tra- the transformation is permanent. Um, but interestingly enough, it's passed from mother to daughter. It's only in women. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, you said that before. I forgot. I, okay. Um. But, but anyways, let's. Yes. I would say let's come down off of the high of the Nagini reveal, but the trailer only gets crazier from yeah, there. Yeah, um, I'm currently um, at 50 seconds. Uh, I, I am too, and it was what we watched right before that was Grindelwald in the carriage being pulled by the Thestrals, flying through the sky, turning some of the, um, the, the harness straps into snakes to attack characters, even fills the carriage full of water to drown another one. And then says, either join me or die. And so, uh, let's keep it going. All right. The wizarding and non-wizarding worlds have been at peace for over a century. Grindelwald wants to see that peace destroyed. You want me to hunt him down? To kill him? Dumbledore, why can't you go? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. 
fun fact that that brief flash moment of that brief flash moment of when you see young I don't know if it's Dumbledore or Grindelwald in in the mirror when you see their kind of their younger versions of themselves like younger than what uh-huh. they are now that is the characters that played Dumbledore and Grindelwald when they did flashback scenes in Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows those same actors yes it it was um uh, uh Dumbledore was uh, Toby Regbo and young Grindelwald. Um, I think he's actually a musician. It was uh, Jamie, yeah, Jamie Campbell, Campbell Bauer. And talk about continuity mm-hmm. there. I mean, that's such a that's such a uh, that's such a nice Easter egg. Which yes, does play toward the nostalgic fact for me, but I love it. Yes, yes. Um, well, since that, we did see glimpses of Hogwarts. Um, I don't know if you noticed or not, but the person looking into the Great Hall was Lita Lestrange. The, oh. Which makes me think, since it's empty, and there was a shot later in the trailer of all of them standing on the bridge, could they be visiting during the summer holidays? Oh, possibly. And is the apparition, is, is the apparition charm, like, lowered during the summer holidays? No, I don't think it's lowered. I honestly think that the events of either this movie or the ones leading up to um, Grindelwald's defeat spur the uh, urgency to put the charm where you cannot apparate inside. Because I'm sure they were like, um, prior to that, probably parents were like, I want to pop in and see my kids. I don't want to see them to be gone 10 months out of the year. It, it could have been uh, Grindelwald's ascent to power where they... Um, put the charm up where you cannot apparate in or out Hogwarts. Because mm. I remember when the first trailer came out and we first saw Hogwarts and those people apparated on the bridge, the internet, lo- like, its face melted off into a soupy pile on the floor. Yes. And everyone, like, the Hermione memes of, have you not read Hogwarts or history? <laughs> popped up. I'm going through the series again right now uh-huh. um, on the Jim Dale audiobooks. It is mentioned probably two or three times in every single book. Yeah. It's 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 like a very subtle rickroll throughout the entire series. <laughs> it's like, you cannot apparate on the grounds, people. And, yeah. But, you know, I think we've had this conversation before, either on or off air. Um, you know, we're going to see why these security measures were put up in place. Yeah. You know, oh, oh, think about uh, honestly, like here in America, think about like airports pre and post nine eleven. Oh yeah. I mean, you or, could just wander uh, up to the gate, carry anything you wanted on the plane before that, and now you have well, to. Well, ba- it's it's basically the equivalent of what if Hitler could teleport into the White House, like. <laughs> Yeah, no I mean, joke. Yeah. Like, I mean, Grindelwald is essentially Magic Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm sure I, I'm sure that in the wizarding world that actually exists, that is really real, there's probably non-apparition charms around the White House. You know, the yep. Magical Congress of the United States of America has, has the White House protected. Um, but... But but yeah, well, and then there's there's that, and then <sighs> that line that they said: the magical world and the non-magical world 
have been at peace for a century. I literally just thought of this. You know, the statute of secrecy was like the 1600s. Was it, wasn't it? The yes. International Statute of Secrecy? You No, you bring up a good point there. They've been at peace for over a century. What happened? Like, it, so what? That would be the like late 1700s, early 1800s. Were they at war? Oh Lord, was were 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 witches fighting for the British? Like, <laughs> in the Revolution? I mean, I I, I mean, because I always kind of kind of got the sense that the International Statute of Secrecy was like spurred on by the Salem witch trials. Yeah, no, I I that that was a um I think I read about that in the history of magic book that we have, but mm-hmm. um I saw especially I saw especially a, for America. Yeah, exactly. Well, I saw a theory online that it could have been the whatever peace treaties or or that came. Okay, this is. I mean, this is going really deep. So, have been it. I haven't read the history of magic yet. I the audible edition is coming out in like four days. Um, So, the preface that. Um, the they said that the oh, oh gosh words, um the magical and non-magical worlds have been at peace for over a century we're in the 1920s go one century back what what was happening around the early 1800s i mean the besides america um well the industrial revolution (gasps) oh did is was thomas edison a, a wizard well, what if they <laughs> was Eli Whitley a wizard? Like, or what if what if this was? What, so what if this was like a like Prometheus and the Earthlings type relationship? Like after the magical and non magical community like struck up peace, maybe as a peace offering, the wizards like planted tech or like maybe the the wizards i don't know maybe it was magic that spawned the industrial revolution i don't know ooh ooh because i mean britain did kind of start the industrial revolution uh, <laughs> I just I just became self-aware and realized that me staring off into space pondering all the implications of this does not make for good audio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, reel it back well, in, reel like, it back in. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, then that just oh, – I, I will be listening to History of Magic the moment it drops on, audio, on Audible. But uh, magic always has a weird relationship with technology. It does, like, yeah. Yeah, uh, like we but sa- I, I said this in the f- first episode. It's like a combination of the 1700s and the 1920s. And, like, and Hermione always talked about, especially in the, um, oh, what was it? In the Goblet, Goblet of, of Fire. In the Goblet of Fire, they fought um, Malfoy when he was talking to um, Rita Skeeter, was using some sort of walkie-talkie, and she's like, I've told you, Muggle tech does not work inside the grounds. And I think that was all driven based off of like charms that would disrupt it and disorient navigation systems and things like that. But oh, that's interesting. I mm. 
like I, just what was going on it there was still some awareness on the part of muggles as to what the magical world is yeah like um i mean it makes makes early american early european history a little bit different now that there's actual witches and wizards yeah uh but oh interesting interesting uh, we get uh, okay we could sit here and ponder this all day but let's let's get through the rest of the trailer okay you don't suffer from motion sickness see i don't do well on boats you'll be fine <laughs> Do you know why I admire you, Nick? You do not seek power. You simply ask, is the thing right? The time's coming when you're gonna have to pick a side. No, I don't do sides. What are you gonna do? I think it's something. Mute, you never met a monster you couldn't love. Let's take him. That's your brother? I think that might have been the best moment of my life. Okay. Oh, man. Okay, before before we go any further. Um, would you not have fallen he head over heels for a woman that um, turned around and magically bound and gagged me to a chair? <laughs> I, well, I mean, William, you're showing your hands. <laughs> oh, oh, like, was that Rosario Dawson? No, it was um, uh, Zoe Kravitz. I do not know who that is. So it's Lenny Kravitz, the musician's daughter. Ooh. Fun fact, it is his daughter with Lisa Bonet. Oh, oh, what? Yes. Oh, for those of you who don't know, Lisa Bonet played Denise Huxtable in <laughs> The Cosby Show. Yeah, from The Cosby Show. Um, so Let's... she is very much... American, but had a pretty spot-on British accent. Okay, what happened there? Um, do you think that was a port key, the cup or the bucket? Uh, it, I mean, it, it didn't. The it did not, in the traditional sense, act like a port key the way it's been um, portrayed before. Mm-hmm. But um, it did, um, toward the end of them shrinking and spiraling down in the side, it disappeared as well. And so it makes me think that that was a port key. Um, and then what was that What was that gold monster that was standing oh, the, beside Newt? Oh, the never-ending story creature? No, no, no. Uh, no, 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 not not the, uh, the zoo. The, what is it? The Zuwu? It was a, like, Chinese, like, uh, like giant cat with fire properties no this was whenever he blew the gold dust across the street there was a beast that was oh. sitting next to him yeah oh and I, it, it looked like Groot I couldn't help it <laughs> it kind of reminded me from the Chronicles of Narnia not it's it's not the same thing but like you know in the Chronicles of Narnia the Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe the trees are sentient creatures yes um, but the way that they communicate with non-trees 
is that they like let loose their leaves and their leaves become like a, a humanoid shape. Okay. And so, and that's how, and that's how they're able to, that's how they're able to communicate because you know, they're, they're trees. They don't have mouths. Yeah. Um, and so I, that kind of reminded me of that. I'm currently going through all of my screenshots and I think I missed that portion. Yeah. Oh, no, I see it. Yes, he definitely looks like Groot. Yeah, I, I couldn't help it. <laughs> well, and did you, you know, did you when you when you got the screenshots, did you happen to um, get one of the planes flying overhead in that war zone? Uh, let's see. Uh, were those? Oh, yes, they are planes. I, when I saw them in the trailer, I thought they were spectrals. So in one of <laughs> in one of my mini um, runs through this trailer, have you noticed that everything there kind of has that sepia gray tone to it? But well, the, that's because Britain does not under does not have the sun. But... However, the characters are still in vibrant color. Ooh. This makes me think that we could potentially be in one of because Theseus served in the war. That we could have potentially be in one of Theseus's memories. Ooh. I mean, think about the way that they entered the the pensive, or the way that Harry um, experienced Tom Riddle's diary. True, true. Can I just say one of my complaints of the modern Potter movies? No, you can't say. Like this is like the only complaint. <laughs> okay, I have. Okay, it, this goes from Prisoner of Azkaban to fantastic beast one and it looks like fantastic beast two as well they don't understand the concept of color gradient like those those movies are very very gray at times i think that was intentional i know and i i think it was intentional but that's just not my style like yeah that well, I, I mean i think it's it's a um method of telling story Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Gray and, and, and grim, honestly, um, conveys yeah, like a, grim. A, a sense of foreboding. Yes. Oh, true. True. But there is a part of me that appreciated the more vibrant light colors of the first two movies. Well, that's true. But, I mean, also think of whenever Newt goes down in, the, um, in his case. True. True. That was just like... I mean, I mean that was very much that was a place of security for him. That's where he mm-hmm. felt most at home. That where he was the happiest, and the colors reflected that. There's a lot of mm-hmm. warm tones, a lot of bright tones. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get toward the end of this trailer, and you see that there is going to be like a prequel to the fight with Grindelwald in that amphitheater. It's like the entire Ministry of Magic, probably of both Britain and the U.S., um, which is just bonkers to me that he's going to get away I, I do realize that he has the elder wand but man i i have tried to play out in my head what the fight with grindelwald is going to like visually look like oh i i, I envy jude law I, like <laughs> i mean jude law is going to look so epic in that fight oh my gosh oh man but I mean, but, this is yeah. Oh gosh, like, mm, mm. how do you feel about Johnny Depp as Grindelwald? 
Like, as we'll, we'll take all of the controversy aside. Let's set that aside for a second. Just as an actor. As Johnny Depp, you know, Johnny Depp, the oftentimes controversial, he tends to play on to the strange. Um, t- tends to play on to the strange as, as Grindelwald. Like, I mean, I, when, so I, initially I was skeptical, but I mean, we get to see a lot more of him. And I think like that just slight edge of psychoses will help yes. will help his portrayal of Grindelwald. I really do. Yes, yes, um, yeah, yeah. It it was an, it was an interesting it was an interesting choice. Uh, I probably would not have picked him. Frankly, I would have just cloned Ray Fines, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, or like Daniel Craig or something along those lines. Yeah. But okay, thought experiment. Go cast recast Grindelwald. Recast Grindelwald. Uh. Mm. It's it's weird that when you start to like mentally hunt for a replacement, you start to realize that maybe Johnny Depp's a good choice. Yes, he is. Yes, he has. It, well, the unfortunate thing the unfortunate thing is is that in Harry Potter there aren't that many British actors left that hasn't been in Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I love going down that list of characters that were of actors that were in <laughs> Harry Potter and Doctor Who. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's like 17 British actors and actresses. Well, like I think uh, the the thing that comes comes out of my comes to my mind. But he was already in Harry Potter, so he'd be disqualified. Um, the guy who plays Gilderoy Lockhart. No, oh, Kenneth Branagh, yeah. Kenneth Branagh. I think Kenneth Branagh, especially with his turn as uh, the inspector from Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, Poirot, yeah. Yeah, like combine a little, combine a little Poirot and a little Gilderoy Lockhart, and they're just straight, classy British man. Um, well... Durmstrang is in Britain, but you know we're Americans. We think all British are evil. Are, all British, our our villains tend to have British accents. Um, but yeah, I, I could see Kenneth Branagh. I, I could see Kenneth I'm I'm not I'm not gonna recast it. No, no, I think no. Johnny Depp works. I, I think he definitely definitely works. Love it or hate it, I think he's he's got enough crazy in him that it works for that character. Uh, yeah, um, and then this. <laughs> I, I I do love like I felt like this was this gives you a moment to kind of stare triumphantly into the ether, pump your fist as a <laughs> as a little brother. <laughs> the trailer ends with Theseus being bound, stopped, gagged, and tied to a chair, <laughs> and Newt gets to just relish in it. <laughs> Oh, I did not catch that context. Oh, uh, really? This... I thought that's what I thought that would be one of the first things that you pointed out. <laughs> I didn't realize that was his brother. Yeah, yeah, I did. I didn't realize that 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 was his brother. That's yeah, yeah. I've often fantasized about that mm. bound and gagged you to a chair. Okay, and then well, just. just <laughs> if it just left you, uh, Jeez. 
<laughs> well, that that was the Crimes of Grindelwald trailer. I am very, very excited for this movie. Oh, this 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 episode was very tangential. Um, this this analysis was very tangential. I just I don't. I'm interested to see where they take this. What what drives me crazy about the Fantastic Beast series is that there are no books. <laughs> there are no books. We're walking into a movie. We're walking into a movie with fresh eyes. Oh, we you, have, you don't you don't like that? You don't know the prior story. Well, like, oh, well, it was always like, oh. I, I, I guess mean, I, I, I get it. You you walk in want uh, like with your favorite moments in mind, just hoping that they're going to play out live for you, uh, for you on screen. I get that. Ex- well, and, and it's because it's Harry Potter. It's always very book based. Yeah. I mean, it's always you know, it started as a book series first. Yeah. Um, it started as a book series first, and and now we're they're like strictly movies now. No, I mean, I mean it, this isn't the first time it's deviated from the book format um yeah, true Cur- cursed child was the next iteration oh, of something from the wizarding world and it was strictly a play true um i'm ashamed to say i haven't read that yet i don't because we are going to new york and we are going to go see it on stage okay i'm in i'll allow it uh, <laughs> i i accept this truth <laughs> i accept this reality and i i accept your reality and take it in as my own um, <laughs> Perfect. Well, on, yes. on on that note, let's let's dive straight into the page. Chapter two, the vanishing glass. Yeah, I give it a C plus. <laughs> really? I mean, how many times do we have to start this and start it back over? And all I could get it up to was a C plus. Uh, William, this ain't no curve. Oh, jeez. Well, anyways, okay. chapter two, The Vanishing Glass, starts out with a 10-year time period lapsing between the first and the second chapter. Not much has changed inside the Dursley home, except for the pictures on the wall, and there is no evidence that another boy lives there. Which had to have been so sad. Growing up in a house and watching these people like eliminate all evidence that you live there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my copy of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone that I'm looking at right now, it's the, like, magical edition from Apple Books, uh-huh. where there's, like, animations and illustrations, and there's a picture here of the cupboard under the stairs. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much like Cinderella, Cinderella, you know, with her evil stepsisters. Yeah. It's stepmother just living in squalor while they're in this perfectly presentable house. Oh, it's it is so sad. And it, it it is honestly miraculous that Harry turned out as as good as he de- did. As decent of a person oh, as he is. Gosh. Maybe he was like, able to see the Dursleys for what they were. I don't know. But we get an even bigger picture of just how spoiled Dudley is and just how uh, the Dursleys are brought into very sharp relief in this chapter. I mean, it's, it starts out with Petunia coming up and um, making Harry cook breakfast and not burn the bacon um, because today is Dudley's birthday. Oh, Dudley's birthday. How could he forget about that? I, I feel 
there are a few things that make me uncomfortable more. There's Scott's tots from The Office. Mm-hmm. And then there's Dudley screaming over 36 presents. Last year you got me 37 presents. Uh, yeah. Like, just the level of just that. The Dursleys are terrible parents. And, and then Petunia just completely caves. I know in the movie, he was like, well, when we go out, we'll get you two more presents. How's that, Popkin? Oh, yeah. They're terrible parents, and it, it, it brings me back to that scene from Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince where Dumbledore confronts the Dursleys like, you did not treat Harry quite as bad as you tre- as you treated that boy. Oh, sick bird. Sick bird. <laughs> well, this is, um, speaking of Harry, this is the first time that we, we get a glimpse of what Harry looks like. He had a thin face, knobbly knees, black hair, bright green eyes. He wore round glasses held together with a lot of scotch tape because of all of the times Dud- Dudley had punched him on the nose. But the only thing that he liked about his own appearance was a thin scar in the shape of a lightning bolt that we find out Petunia has been telling him um, that he got in a car crash that killed his parents. They they never really go into an explanation as to why the scar is a lightning bolt, is it? I I think Rowling has said just because she thought it looked cool. Eh, acceptable. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is a perfectly valid reason. Um, I always thought that it was a wand motion to perform the um, the killing curse. That, that could that could be but i think if the movie showed us anything is the killing curse involves a lot of straining and pointing uh. <laughs> uh. Um, especially when up against expelliarmus i've always wondered that I, i've always wondered like why a scar and they never really seem to go into any significant detail but not everything has to be like philosophically and spiritually important Every, every detail doesn't have to be. It could just look cool. Uh, well, we actually see the uh, origin of lightning bolt-shaped scars in Fantastic Beasts 3. <laughs> <laughs> now, that will be the moment where I'm just like, rolling. what are you doing? And we come to find out that lightning bolt-shaped scars used to be humans with tragic pasts. <laughs> We should like write a like a, a script that is the most stereotypical of what everyone is afraid of the Fantastic Beast of becoming. Like, where everything just ties into where everything that just ties into each other. That would be funny. Um, everything, everyone's related. <laughs> we find out that Voldemort is Voldemort is the Weasley's distant cousin. Oh uh, gosh. <laughs> But what have we established? Dudley is a D- Dudley's terrible. Petunia's terrible. terrible. Vernon's terrible. Vernon's terrible. I think we went into that a lot very deeply in the last episode. Yes, too. and Harry needs to eat more. It, yes, yes. Although I hear magic burns a lot of calories, um, <laughs> and grows hair. Well, yeah, because he um. 
one of the many situations that Harry, we find out, was able to get himself out of unsuspectingly was to was to grow his hair back after Petunia cut it, but left those bangs to hide that horrible scar. I, I have to wonder how many muggles know about the magical world because of, like, muggle-borns where just magical things start happening because they can't control their powers. I... I'm not entirely sure. I think that they have addressed that a lot in the series of why muggles aren't able to see the leaky cauldron, for instance, or um, perceive magical things around them is, I say honestly, because they're not looking for it. I think we have this tendency of trying to retrofit things that happen in our lives into our preconceived boxes of reality that we have. And if it's something we can't explain, we tend to just, like, ignore it, glaze over it, move on, um, because the things that we can't explain a lot of times make us uncomfortable. Um, They make us fearful. Yeah. And so, uh, honestly, a lot of people just... um, I think the same could be said for, like, supernatural things that happen. Like, we can't uh, can't understand um, what's happening, but that's because it's, it's happening in a way that we can't perceive reality, if that makes sense. Not yeah. uh, <laughs> the Oh, this just got deep. Yeah, oh, I mean, it got incredibly deep. But, I mean, supernatural... Our father's eyes are burning right now. <laughs> but su- supernatural in any sort of sense, whether or not that's, like, the magic uh, inside the wizarding world, um, if it does not fall into our comfort zone, we tend to overlook it. I mean, yeah, we you kind of see that discussion in Doc. I would say Doctor Who as yeah. well. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. How many times have aliens have invaded, made their presence known in the public, and then people just move on and act like it never happened? Well, and I mean, the, the Dursleys are honestly a prime, prime example of that. Yeah, but, but they know, but they're still trying to say no. Everything's normal. Everything is ordered, and everything has its place. They and they're just trying to squash it out. Yeah. Uh, well, we find out that the Dursleys had this grand scheme of taking Dudley and his friend Piers to the zoo and leaving Harry with poor old Mrs. Fig, um, which I'm glad that she got some time to shine later on in the book. Yeah, yeah. Or I, la- I do, later on in the series. I, I, I do wish that she... I, and I understand her reasoning behind it. I do wish that she got the chance to be treated better, that she treated Harry better. Um, because goodness knows that boy needs that that boy needs to be able to take a break in his life once for once. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but she, I understand why we, she, we did find out she was acting on Dumbledore's orders. Yeah, but uh, she also was like you know this weird old woman that just did not let Harry have too good of a time because. The, the Dursleys wouldn't let her stay if they thought Harry wasn't have was having too much fun over there. Yeah. Um, but she but, fell she fell and broke her leg, and rather than act out of concern, um, as what the Dursleys are just affronted because it's inconvenienced them. They say this early in the chapter. Oh, let me find it. Let me find it real quick. Uh, was it Aunt Marge? That goes on vacation to Majorica. Oh no, uh, her, no her friend her, Yvonne. Yeah, Yvonne. Where is Majorica? I think it's pronounced Majorca. 
but, Mallorca, so I'm thinking Spain. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the the Dursleys, Piers Polkis, and Harry have all piled into the car at this point and are heading to the zoo. And Harry cannot believe his luck. But right before he left, uh, and I think they even made a point to highlight this in the movie, Uncle Vernon pulls him aside. And let me see, what does he say? I'm warning you. I'm warning you now, boy. Any funny business, anything at all, and you'll be in that cupboard from now until Christmas. And Harry <laughs> makes a plea. I'm not going to do anything, but Uncle Vernon didn't believe him. And then they go into all of the strange, th- strange things that had happened to Harry. Let's see. Um, she sent him to the barber, uh, and then didn't like the that his hair had all grown back. So, oh, this would have been horrible. As as a former middle schooler, like, you know, could you imagine? <laughs> like you literally okay, well, cannot so- tame your head. This, the, well, I mean, all of these are terrible, This, but this is the one where she took the kitchen shears and decides that she's going to cut him bald except for his bangs to, quote, hide that horrible scar. <sighs> oh, oh. Oh, could you imagine that, like, the night of sleep? You would not have slept. He probably would have cut night. the rest of it himself. But then he woke up, and it was right back. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, see, what else? She tried to force a revolting sweater on him, and it shrunk to the point where it would have fitted a hand puppet, and she decided to chuck that up that it shrunk in the wash. And then at one point, he tries to jump over a, a trash can to avoid Dudley and ends up on the roof. <laughs> I mean, think about that, though. You, I think we... <laughs> having a nerdy slant <laughs> to us... <laughs> I had terrible times in middle school. Yes, yes. How many times would you have wanted to just, well, essentially magic your way out of a situation? I, no, I, like all throughout middle school, I was waiting on my Hogwarts letter, cause. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, let's just let's just get out of let's just get out of this situation, completely, because clearly I am not meant to be around you, mere mortals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Harry's had a lot of these um, strange things happen to him. For today, he does not have to <laughs> listen to Mrs. Fig's stories about her cat and her cabbage-smelling living room. Mm-hmm. Well, they get to the zoo. Um, we bought a zoo. Uh, different movie, sorry. <laughs> well, they get to the zoo after listening to a long tirade of um, Uncle Vernon going on about hoodlums on motorcycles. And the moment they get there, they buy Dudley and Piers large chocolate ice creams at the entrance. And before, again, man, these are terrible people. Before they could hurry him away, the lady at the van asks what Harry would like, and so they get him a lemon ice pop. And he thinks to himself, it wasn't bad either. And it, I should have known, well, I don't know if I would have known at 11 reading this, but the other shoe was going to fall eventually. I mean, just <laughs> just the foreshadowing of him thinking nothing bad is going to happen today, oh. and everything starts going really well. He gets to go to the zoo. He gets uh, a lemon pop, and I think even at lunchtime, he got to finish off one of um, Dudley's extra desserts because they made him order another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the reptile house. Mm-hmm. Um... Dudley walks up um, to the cage containing the boa constrictor, taps on the glass, and says, make it move. 
and Uncle Vernon taps on the glass. Do it again. Uncle Vernon raps on the glass very sharply, but the snake just snoozes on. He says, this is boring, and walks away. And I, I don't think I realized the gravity of this second chapter, first book scene, until I finished the entire series. I mean... I, I mean, at this point, Harry did not know that he was a parcel mouth. Well, I mean, Harry, well, Harry didn't know much. Yeah, no. But even then, you start peeling back the the layers here. Harry finds out that he can talk to a snake, which is doesn't know that that's a thing. Then he just then Harry finds out that he can talk to a snake because. Um, part of oh, how did how did um, Dumbledore put it that um that Voldemort transferred some of his power mm-hmm. into Harry the night he tried to kill him mm-hmm. and then the payoff at the end spoiler alert is he has p- a piece of Voldemort's soul inside of him I mean is it safe to assume that that um Harry is no longer a parcel mouth by the time of the epilogue Is it safe to assume, yes, that he, that there's not any residual effects of, you know, having Voldemort's powers? At least, at least based off of canon by or canon approved by J.K. Rowling, there was no indication inside the cursed child that Harry could still speak to snakes. Okay. Okay. But... And I, I will I will leave it at when that. you're when you are reading this book for the first time, you're just like, oh wow, everyone could talk. To, you know, this is just a power that wizards have. It's just a oh, magical yeah. thing that could happen. Yeah, and we don't even get the payoff of that until the second book. Yep. I love all of these nuggets that she plants in there with the foreknowledge that this isn't going to pay off. Like mrs fig being a squib that payoff comes in the fifth book Mm -hmm. um serious black lending hagrid the motorcycle that payoff comes in the third book i mean do you think that like rowling's editors were a big part of that like we were we were speaking about this earlier with you know nagini being the maledictus yeah that this is something that she has been stewing over for 20 years if anything i I would think that the editors would push back against it. What I mean, makes just you say that? Like planting extraneous details that don't seem to fit into the book at all. Well, that that's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying. Like the reason why, you know, the whole parcel mouth incident didn't appear again in the first book. Yeah. Uh, and then in the second book, she's just like, "Well, I'm dealing with a giant snake that could turn people to stone." So this is a good way to introduce that facet into the world. It would have been too much in that first book to, you know, introduce the fact that he can talk to the snake. And, oh, no, it's a sign of a, you know, he's a, he was cursed by a big dark wizard. Or it's the, it's the sign of a dark wizard. And yeah. he begins to wonder if he's the, um, the heir of Slytherin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, see, I see what you mean. But, no, I, I would say that unless she like showed them uh, her outlines for the entire series that she probably got pushed back from the editors of including all of these details that don't seem to make any relevant sense. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, 
<laughs> I've had some time to stew over it, you know, since we were talking 30 minutes ago. But I, I'm choosing to believe that she had Nagini's backstory in mind for 20 years. I, I, I do too. I do too. I mean, right now, I, th- I think that, how to best put this i think there are some things she's wanting to retcon you know and and to fix and to i mean any artist is never happy with their art oh yeah like that's just that's just a reality (laughs) you should you should you should have seen how long it took me to edit the first podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh man i mean if if you know, any artist is not happy with their art. They're going to go in. They're going to retcon things. They're going to do different things if they have control over that baby. And yeah. they're ha- and they're able to build and expand on that art. I'm sure uh, Vincent Van Gogh wishes he could tweak things about Starry Night. You uh, know, I think, and, and not to dwell on the whole Nagini reveal too much, but I think one of the big pushbacks from people has been is Neville's act as unrelentingly heroic if you now view it that Nagini used to be a witch. Ooh, because technically it would be murder. Well, and then that gets into the um, the mechanics of a maledictus. Is there any human left in Nagini? Do you think we'll get that in this next movie? I don't know. Speaking of giant snakes that have a fondness for wizards, Harry starts talking to one. Um, the snake seems perfectly um, content. Perfectly, the snake seems perfectly friendly. Um, uh, even um, has some like um, playful like eye rolls and head nods, and mm-hmm. then Piers has to ruin it all. Dudley, Mister Dursley, come look at this snake. You won't believe what it's doing. <laughs> oh, jeez, Harry or er, Dudley comes waddling toward them as fast as he could, shoves Harry, punches him in the ribs. Caught by surprise, he falls hard against the concrete. And what happens next happens so fast, no one saw it happen. One second, Piers and Dudley were leaning right up against the glass. The next, they leapt back with howls of horror. The glass had vanished. Mm-hmm. And Harry's new slithery friend uh, starts uncoiling rapidly, rapidly um, slips out onto the floor, and says, "Brazil, here I come. Thanks, amigo." Do you remember that theory that was going around that the snake that Harry set loose was Nagini? Yeah, there. That would be one of those things. It, that would be one of those things that if Rowling actually confirmed that would have been like, oh, really? That snake was the one that was Nagini? Yeah. Uh, it, I, a lot of people had a similar reaction when it we found out that Anakin built C-3PO. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that that's just a little too neat. That's just a little too... Oh, wow, that, that happened? Um, I... I, there's a part of me that really likes the theory, but at the same time, if that snake was Nagini, they that snake would have killed Harry Potter, and then the book series would have been over real fast. Yeah, that's true. Like, because, I mean, it's literally endowed with Voldemort's soul. You know, the spirit of Voldemort would have been like, Harry Potter! <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, our Brazilian friend uh, makes his escape. 
And I like to think that he actually made it to Brazil. I mean, I mean, the head cannons accepted. Yes, I like to. Yeah, he made it to Brazil. <laughs> he, he he goes into the London International <laughs> Airport. He waits there in line. <laughs> and he uses his tail to point at things because that's what he, what he's good at. <laughs> <laughs> and then Samuel Jackson is on that plane as well. And oh. then we find out that Snake's on a plane was in the Harry Potter universe. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but I've just got this crazy mental image of this snake, like, coiled on itself so it has some height to it. And just pointing at things. <laughs> no, it, ha- it has... Waiting the- in the airport. <laughs> it has a trench coat. <laughs> There's nothing creepy going on here. <laughs> nothing, nothing unusual. <laughs> it has a trench coat and like a soccer ball for a head, kind of. <laughs> well, Wilson. <laughs> okay, head cannon accepted. The snake's name is Wilson. The snake's name is Wilson, and he made it to Brazil <laughs> by booking a flight from the London International Airport. <laughs> I mean. Oh man, I, I I'm still headcanon snakes on a plane. This in the Harry Potter universe. Oh, but yeah, made it in, and then basically Harry was punished and wasn't allowed to see sunlight until the next summer. Yeah, but I mean, toward the end of the chapter, though, we do see some of Harry's other unusual interactions per se. Um, we also find out that Harry had dreamed and dreamed of some unknown unknown relation to come and take him away, but it never happened. Um, but sometimes he thought that strangers on the street knew him as well. Strangers in purple and, and violet cloaks. Um, and the weirdest thing was that all of the people seemed to vanish the second that Harry tried to get a closer look. Apparition. But at school, Harry had no one. Everybody knew that Dudley's gang hated that odd Harry Potter and his baggy clothes and broken glasses. And no one liked to disagree with Dudley's gang. That's so sad. It ends kind of on a grim note. It's so sad. He didn't have one friend. No. Like. And I think that's why uh, reading this in middle school, why, why we kind of devoured it. Mm-hmm. Because that was a very formidable time. Ugh. Anyways, we're not going to jump into a therapy session there, but that. <laughs> so tell me how that makes you feel. Uh, it makes me feel like we need to go on to the party. <laughs> oh, you and your music again. All right, well, um, for this party section, I I promise that this is the last lemon-themed <laughs> recipe for a while. But it, it well, I came across this recipe, and it was honestly too good to pass up. It's from a fantastic and very lovely blog called Whip and Wander. Um, it's a um, life, food, travel, recipe blog. Um, they do a lot of... I'm going to read this straight from her bio. Jenny, over at Whip and Wander, um, she says, Welcome to my adventures on the road and in the kitchen. I focus on healthy whole foods in my kitchen, but you'll notice that I unapologetically bend the food rules whenever I venture out. Most of my recipes are keto and or, pali- or, keto and or paleo-friendly, um, and I will notate potential substitutions uh, when they occur to me. I'm not a perfect cook, but I, ha- I have a knack for accidentally leaving the sweetener out of pumpkin pie every Thanksgiving, but I make it up for always remembering to buy extra wine. Um, but she goes on toward the end where um, she says that she's an avid traveler, a friend of all dogs, wild feminist, Harry Potter nerd, reader, and music lover. 
And this was actually this year, back in July, that she posted this recipe. Um, when life gives you lemons like the Dursleys, make paleo lemon ice drops. And she quotes that very section in The Vanishing Glass where Harry gets the lemon ice pops. I have made these, and they are phenomenal. Okay. Um, do, you, do you remember um, at the Wool Festival that happens in um, Pendleton County every year, the stand that sells honey lemonade? Yes. It's it's like frozen honey lemonade. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. There's only three ingredients. There's lemons, honey. Uh, use lemons, raw honey, and water. And that's it. Oh, oh my gosh. You've got to try these. Um, they're paleo-friendly, which is awesome. But um, I'd love to give a huge shout-out to um, Jenny over at Whip and Wonder for the recipe. We will link um, everything down in the show notes. So that you can go over, um, give her blog, give all of her social media pages lots of love, and make sure that you go make these. She has all kinds of other recipes, too, in celebration of um, Harry's birthday. It was around July 31st. Like, I saw a um, polyjuice potion smoothie. Uh, there's there's all kinds of stuff over there. We'll link to all of Jenny's stuff down in, in, the, in the show notes. Sounds good. Uh, well, that about wraps up this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you who have um, downloaded, listened, um, subscribed on iTunes. And to the two people now that have left um, very kind reviews, um, we really do appreciate it. That helps to boost us up in the visibility and get in the new and noteworthy section. Yep, we we want to be on the top of all the podcasting charts. We're going to drink big. <laughs> we're, 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 we're after you, Serial. <laughs> we're going to take you down. Uh, and okay, if we if we came in just under cereal in this American life, I'd be okay. Yeah, that that'll be fine. That'll be fine. I I I, I fully expect to take down Joel Osteen by the end of this year. Uh, done. Let's, Let's. I'm gonna digitally shake on that. <laughs> Um, but as always, you can find us on social media at Harry Party Cast, um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, come over and interact with us there. And on that note, we will wrap it up. As always, remember, never trust anything that can think for itself unless you can see where it keeps its brain. I'm William. And I'm Wilson, the passport-carrying Brazilian snake. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>